In the wake of the tornadoes on April 27th, we started to take a good hard look at what we'd do to stay safe if the tornadoes swept through our farm. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of June the 15th, 2011. We are in the process of building the lodge up the hill from the barn, and we are, as we speak, working on the storm shelter and root cellar that will be in the basement of that lodge. So we thought we'd spend some time today talking about how we got to this point and how we are approaching it and what we hope to, how we hope to use that uh, little room when we have finished with it. Why don't you start by telling us about how we stored food last winter? Yeah, um, it was real important to us to have a place that we could store root vegetables, um, mostly, I think all we had last year was sweet potatoes. This year, we hope to have onions and maybe some carrots next year. Um, but we had a good bit of pumpkin, and we had a number of different types of winter squash. So we we basically just found a shelf that we put out in the uh, an old bookcase that we put out in our storage room, and put all those uh, actually we had some watermelons too now that I'm That's thinking true. about it. <laughs> our watermelons were late last year and um we just stuck them out in the storage room and went out there and picked them out when we needed them the problem with it of course is when the weather's hot the the west, it's on the west side of the building that sun just comes right through there and and that area stays very warm so it only works in the winter time but it worked fairly it well did work, yes. in the winter time. Mm-hmm. We started the the late fall with uh, produce just spilling out off the shelf, out onto the floor, and you know I, I I don't have any idea how much it was, but it was a lot. It filled up the uh, a, a bookcase that fit underneath a window, so you know about a half height, and then spilled you know. out onto the floor oh, yeah. all around yeah. that bookcase. And we ate from that larder most of the winter. Sweet really potatoes, nice. pumpkins, like you say, spaghetti Winter squash, squash yeah. uh, butternut squash, um, what's that, delicata mm-hmm. squash. And yeah. It was good. We, we were glad to have it. But we've known all along we needed to do something more meaningful because yeah. we hope that won't be all we have. We hope we'll right. have even more yes, in future nice. years. So what we're building now is a 12-foot by 16-foot room that is below the lodge we are about to build. And that's a huge room. I know. It'll, but uh, if, you're, if, if we're going to have shelves that come out from the wall on which we store pumpkins, etc., <clears throat> plus we're canning. Actually, uh, that's one thing we haven't talked about. As we can, true. Uh, we need a we place to, to store, store those. There. And see, what we've got now is in a bin out in the storage room. We do have some some uh, pear preserves that we canned last year, and we are keeping them in a uh, a dark place in that bin. That mm-hmm. bin is opaque, right. so that they won't get any light. 
But a storm, a root cellar would be a much more effective place to store canned food. And you have also talked about the possibility of our making wine. Yes, storing from muscadines wine. and blueberries. And if we did that, we would plan to to store the wine in that yes, room as well. Yes, and you know I've been looking for a nice, cool place to store seed, and that might be another place to keep you know large quantities of you seed. Bet. Be a great place to store seed. And as you already described in your introductory statement there, we got an added incentive to think about protection from storms as a result of those tornadoes that moved through the state on the 27th of April. For those of you who may not remember because you're not from Alabama, we had two huge tornadoes move. Well, I guess it's one huge tornado that struck Tuscaloosa and then mm-hmm. struck Birmingham and um, killed 200 and something people, yeah, just yeah. did all kinds of property damage. But the thing that was remarkable to most of us who were watching that and trying to help the people who were affected by it is those massive tornadoes, if you were in a, a closeted room of your house, you probably died. Because it in just order flattened to be, everything. In order yeah. to survive, you needed to be underground. Mm-hmm. That was what was so remarkable about all that. Because we've been thinking, up until then, I think, we were thinking mm-hmm. that we would be fairly safe in the closet of our apartment here at the pole barn, which has no windows no. and is fairly well built. That is, has, the closet has no windows. Our, our little apartment does Yeah, the apartment window. has yeah. windows, but the, right. the closet has mm-hmm. no windows. And we were thinking, okay, that would be a fairly safe place to be in a storm. Yeah. yeah. Now we know better. Yeah, um, it just, I mean, if you, when you saw those images of some of those tornado-stricken areas, everything was just flattened. It was just gone. And it just was my, and I, not to say we do know that some people did survive under the rubble. Uh, We we hear stories about that, but your odds are better if you're underground. And you and I uh, connecting the dots as we do about global climate change and catastrophic, uh, catastrophic global warming, believe that these storms we are witnessing now are part of a trend. That doesn't mean that any one storm, ah, that's caused by global warming. But there is a trend that storms are going to get more severe. Mm -hmm. And as they get more severe, storm readiness is going to be more important than it is now. So you and I have, um, have said we need a safe place. And I think we are accomplishing that with this storm shelter root cellar that we Mm -hmm. are building. Yeah. Um, it opens to the south, which is not the best choice for uh, storm protection. But, you know, if you're thinking about protecting yourself from tornadoes, you'd probably rather face to the east. But that didn't work for our building. The, With the our incline, topography, yeah. yeah. The topography means you have to open to the south. And so it, it has a, a door, a fairly heavy steel door that opens to the inside and the reason we opened it to the inside is that if there were debris stacked up at the doorway of that shelter as a result of a storm, you could always open the door and climb out over the debris. Yeah. If the, if it, if the door opens to the outside, then you may be trapped, in. trapped yeah. inside yeah. until somebody comes and fishes you out, which um, we'd like to avoid. 
we were we are being fairly intentional about keeping it ventilated. Uh, there's a front vent that will be on the, the, the on the that faces to the south, and there's an exhaust port that's at the northwest corner of the room that will go straight up through the roof of the lodge. And I'm, my intention is to paint the portion that is visible to the sun black so that will heat up the air that's in there mm-hmm. and act as a fan to, yeah. to keep sucking fresh air in and keep replacing the, the air in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, as far as the, the lodge, the, the building, the timing of this, I guess even though I would have loved to have had a lodge about a year or two ago, uh, <laughs> it's really perfect because we would not have thought to do this had we been building earlier. Wow. I, I never made that connection, but you're right. If we had built the lodge even six months ago, we would not have included this. Right. But now, you know, we can talk about how it's going to open it. It opens to the outside. It's not coming up into side the lodge, but it's incorporated yeah. into the lodge construction in that it's underneath. Correct. That. And if you need to get from the lodge to the storm shelter or from the, the barn where we live here to the storm shelter, you have to go outside to do it. Right. Um, and, you know, ideally we would love to have covered access uh, from both the lodge and the barn, but that just wasn't in the cards. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, when a storm's coming your way, you'll do whatever to get safe. And and that's the way I look at it. The, the adrenaline will start to flow and we'll get in there. So, <laughs> And someone was saying, you know, what about uh, people, what are you going to do about claustrophobia? Um, and the, I guess what we're going to do is tell people we're going into the shelter. If you're too claustrophobic to come with us, we understand, but we're going in. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't be inhumane if it were a child or someone who, you know, might need to be forced or something. I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to decide. Well, when I guess we'd pick them up, kicking pick and screaming, yeah, and ter- carry to keep them in them there. Safe. You know, if you thought that um, their life depended on it, yeah. there's no question in my mind. But I don't. That's a rare kind of disorder. And the fact of the matter is, probably a person who's that claustrophobic wouldn't want to stand in a closet for very long either. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> so it's, uh, hopefully that's a, that's a moot point. We did have a, about five casualties so far. That was painful. Um, go ahead and, well, and talk about our trees. We, you know, we've talked on these podcasts these past few months about how hard we work during the wintertime to get um, some new orchard trees planted. And there was a row of figs and pomegranates out between the lodge site and where we live in the pole barn. About five of those trees have succumbed to earth-moving equipment. Uh, two fig trees and all three of our pomegranates. So we'll have to replant those in the future. We're thinking, in the in the long run, greater scheme of things, it's a small price to pay, but it's still painful. It is. And what we've said is, you know, we'll just hit this in the fall Fall is really the best time to plant fruit trees anyway because it gives their roots a chance to develop over the wintertime, and then come spring they come busting on out. Um, But it is painful to have lost those five trees the way we did, and we realize we probably should have waited to plant them until after the lodge was finished anyway. Yeah, but But 
you know, it's one of those things, it falls into the category of I can't do anything about it, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, let's talk a little bit about what it's costing us. Um, in addition to losing those five trees, we're paying some money for this. Um, I figure the upcharge, uh, that is the cost for the room over and above what it would have cost to build the lodge is probably on the order of twelve to $13,000. So yeah. it's, it's not cheap to do this, um, but we've decided it's important to us and mm -hmm. the peace of mind will be yeah. invaluable. Yeah, I mean, when you really think what is your life worth, um, that's, there's not a whole lot of question. Not to mention, mind. we would have built a root cellar anyway. And if we were going to build a root cellar, it probably would have, would have cost us several thousand dollars to yeah. do that. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that expensive, but it would there would have been some cost. So uh, when you take all of that into consideration, it, it seems to be a good investment. Um, maybe we could switch and talk a little bit about the uh, terrible weather we're having here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love this, don't you? Drought. We continue yeah. to struggle with a drought and an unprecedented June heat wave. Yeah. Um, it's been in the 90s every day. Every day's highs, a, a 90 or above. All month long. And toward the end of the week, you just, <laughs> you'd been looking ahead and giving me the bad news this morning that it's going to be a high of 98 again by the end of next week. I'm thinking, oh, please, no. And it, it, as we've already talked about, it's difficult for our um, crops to cope with this, basically yeah. what they do. With the benefit of drip irrigation, keeping them hydrated, is just sit there. They're mm -hmm. not dying, but they're not fruiting and growing well, much some either. of them are. The cucumbers are doing okay. Actually, we got our first few cucumbers It's this interesting past to week. me how little growth we're getting from the okra. I would yeah. have thought the okra would be, you know, sort of busting it in this heat. Yeah. But it's, it itself seems to be slowed down. Yeah, it's, it, although some of those plants that I started from seed are are just now kind of reaching um, any kind of maturity. So you think they may Yeah, I think they. I think at on. some point they will. The, the okra, okra that we're able to harvest now is actually from some plants that I started, that I bought as transplants. What so, is interesting is the squash vine borers seem to be coping just fine oh, with the heat. It makes me sick. I have to go out there every day to patrol my squash plants for squash bugs and squash vine borers. I've had to pull several plants. Luckily, I had planted a whole lot of squash um, fairly close together, about as close as I could get by with. So... And, you know, the way squash spreads out, if I don't lose a whole lot more plants, we won't miss them. But it's painful to have to pull a plant because it's got a big old gaping hole in the bottom where squash vine borer has been in there. And are you still struggling with squash bugs yes. as well? Oh, yes. Yes, I pull every day when I'm out there. I, I kill some squash bug eggs. I kill squash bugs in various stages of development, be they nymphs or adults. Um, so yeah, they're, they're out there, but I also am, am getting some squash, you know, and, and I'm seeing. Yeah. We had great squash oh, zucchini yeah. last night, no, I, night before last and then leftovers right. last night. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it, it makes me think, well, I guess it's worth it, but we've got to try a different strategy next year. This is just a killer really. And very disheartening. So we're, we're 
continuing to struggle with that. But the squash bugs and squash vine borers are dealing us fits, no question about it. The tomatoes are doing well under the circumstances. They're not ripening as fast as we would expect under normal conditions, but we assume it's the heat that's keeping them sort of frozen in time. Well, I pulled two ripe better boys off the vine yesterday, and then the cherry tomatoes are ripening really well. And we're setting fruit. You know, I, yes. I see to, the, the tomatoes are growing there mm-hmm. and new fruit is setting yeah. during this time, but it's just not ripening very quickly yeah. at all. And it's got to be this heat. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of ripening, we picked our first peach off the tree. The yeah. And um, I think you picked it too fast, but um, we, we're letting it ripen on the kitchen counter. And meanwhile, I'm watching these others that are still on the June gold peach and holding off picking them because okay. I want to let them ripen on the tree and see if we can't um, get a nice sweet peach I to know, enjoy I know. with our morning but cereal. We still have blueberries in good production. Blueberries are doing well. I think the uh, the um, blackberries that are out on Veg Hill, the Natchez are about to peter out. Though. I agree. Not much of that. There's not much left yeah. of that one. And it appears that we're not going to get much production at all from the new blackberries. No. Yeah, not the first year, probably. At least not this first no. year with all this heat. Uh, they just haven't set fruit much at all. But, you but that's s- not a problem. You no. know, I'm, I'm going to let them continue to grow. And, yeah. you know, come next spring, I fully expect they're going to grow more aggressively. Mm-hmm. And I, I take it that we're still seeing some good formation of uh, fruit on the muscadines, last year's muscadines. You know, that's been interesting. I was all excited when I saw these little nodules form on the muscadines in the spring. I mistakenly assumed that meant every one of those nodules was was going to become a muscadine. I was wrong. Those are the flowers. Okay. And probably one out of five of those flowers, or maybe even one out of eight, actually sets a berry. Oh, okay. So the number of berries is much lower than the number of those little nodules I saw okay. in spring. <laughs> yeah. But we still have a decent crop of berries forming on the three southernmost muscadines. The one that's farthest north doesn't have any berries on it this mm. year. But, you know, we're coming along, and that's yeah. looking good. And the the new muscadines out in the orchard proper are doing well as as um they reach for the trellis line and so forth. So I feel good about that. Yeah, yeah. So I think all in all, with the drought, we're doing about as well as can be expected. And I will confess to you, our little countdown timer um, didn't work the way we'd expected it to work. So I have no idea whether we're long or short, but we're going to end it here and say, have a good week. You've been listening to Long Leaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.